Keep on the sunny side, always on the sunny side. Keep on the sunny side of life. It will help us every day. It will brighten all the way if you keep on the sunny side of life. Hey everybody, beautiful summer day here in Toledo, Washington. Hope you have a few minutes to listen to this cabin talk. I want to talk to you about guarding your life against becoming unfruitful. Becoming fruitless is a risk for every single one of us, for every follower of Jesus, for everyone who wants to be a disciple of Jesus. You know, the Bible teaches that you and I are going to be known by our fruit, um, he says, Jesus said in, in John fifteen eight. he says, um, you know, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. He tells us about false prophets, that you're going to know them by their fruit. So this is a real risk that we would, for whatever reason, become unfruitful. Um, we, are, we are to have lives that reveal Christ's presence through fruit in a very clear way. You know, Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, so every good tree bears good fruit, but every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Paul said later, he used the same idea uh, in Galatians 5.16. He said, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factors, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, for which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh and the passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Second Peter 1 Peter 1.4 says, For by these things he has granted to us precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world by lust, that is in the world by lust. Now for this reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about 
a life of practice of developing these things and growing in these things. And then he says, for if you, for he who lacks these qualities, verse nine, is blind and short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. It's easy to happen to become unfruitful. And I know that it's true in all of our lives. It's happened in mine before. But for some of you that are watching or listening today, you've become unfruitful. Less fruitfulness. You're less fruitful. You know less love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You're less like Jesus. And by the way, you're less for Jesus. And sadly, the people that really need to hear and see the message of Jesus around you, the only message that can transform them into eternity, are no longer hearing and seeing the fruitful word being demonstrated and coming through your life. You've grown thorny in these thorny times of political division and cultural upheaval and and kind of a tribalism where people are all rallied around what they're against instead of community, which is a rally around what they're for. You've grown thorny in thorny times. You're distracted in a distracted time. And you become entangled in the affairs of this world after being commanded by the Apostle Paul and by the Scripture not to. You are wrapped up like in those thorn, those blackberries wrapped all around you. You stopped lifting up Jesus and you started lifting up other messages and other things and other issues and God is not drawing anyone to himself through you anymore. And so Mark 4.18 explains it like this, and others are the ones whom the seed was sown among the thorns and these are the ones who have been have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones sown of the seed sown in the good soil, where they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirty, sixty, and hundredfold. We need to get back to that. The more we've been lifting up all these other things and focused on all these other things and rallying around these other things and building relationships around these other things, they don't draw people to Jesus and they don't produce 30, 60, or 100 fold. So how do you guard yourself against becoming unfruitful? How do you guard your heart from these things, from some things? Well, he says, first of all, you've got to pay attention and guard your heart from the worries of the world worldly worries, that fearfulness that everybody's trying to push that button because we are 14 times more likely to pay attention to things we're afraid of and negative than we are the good things. Get you focused on worldly worries, on negativity. This is your news feed that you're listening to all the time or your, your predisposition toward conspiracies all the time. They're much more interesting because they're rooted in that 14 to 1 ratio of being uh, threat assessment. And then he says the, wor the worries of the world or worldly worries are the deceitfulness of riches. You have to guard your heart against the deceitful riches of this world. You know, riches can deceive you into thinking some things that are not true. They lie to you. First of all, you can think that if you have a lot... If you have riches, you're right with God, but that's not true. As a matter of fact, 
the reality is is that if you have riches, you're cha- you're you're much much more likely to get stumble than to become unfruitful. It doesn't mean that poverty is a prerequisite to godliness, but it is hard when you have a lot to handle it well. You know, um, Jesus is the one that said. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Riches deceive you into thinking that you're secure with them, but remember, money talks, it says goodbye. Riches deceive you into thinking that somehow you're successful and you're great because you have achieved this or you have X amount of money or my kid has this or whatever. Listen, that's not Jesus' metric. If you want to be great, you become a servant of all. And you use your money and your resources in the same way. You know, um, riches deceive you into thinking that you're better than others. That somehow you deserve what you got more than other people. That because you work hard or you're smart or you're innovative or you're a risk taker. And all those things have value. But they don't make you any better than anybody else. There are a lot of people that also share those qualities that do not have a lot. You know, Paul said, instruct those who are rich to not be conceited, because it can lead to that. You begin to get into your bootstrapsism, where you think that somehow you're better than other people because of of uh, what you got. And riches deceive you into thinking, if you get more and hang on to more, you're going to be happier. And we know that that's not true. Matter of fact, Paul said, having um, having food and shelter, you need to be content. And you know, here's the biggest deception of it all. Riches deceive you into thinking that somehow what you have belongs to you if you're a follower of Jesus. I want to tell you that it all belongs to God, not just the tenth, where the tithe does belong to the Lord, but the 90% too, what you do with it and how you use it for good. You see, Jesus made it very clear in this way how easy we are to be fooled and deceived telling ourselves we'll build bigger barns. And then he says, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then who gets it all? And then the third thing you have to guard yourself against is kind of the coverall, the desire for other things, the I want tendency we all have. We come into this world grasping and we go out of this world with our hands open. Indulgence is easy. Sometimes people just want desire for other things. They, they've got a lot of riches already, but that's not enough because it didn't satisfy. So now they want political power. And maybe you want desire for other things too. You want political power, maybe not for yourself. Maybe it is for yourself, but maybe it's just for your team or your side. Desire for other things. It becomes more important. Winning a political argument or some other kind of argument becomes more important than winning your neighbor to Jesus. People talk more about, I've noticed this a lot in the last couple of decades, people talk more about politics, even preachers, than Jesus. They really do. And we have the results. The results are all in. Less people are being saved because Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus said, if I am lifted up, he will draw all men. But, you know, we're lifting up all kinds of other things. You know, we're, we, I hear Christians talk as though elections will impact election. <laughs> you know, um, I was talking to a dear brother the other day and we were talking about an evangelist. Uh, we were talking about D.L. Moody and 
And I said, you know, do you know what D.L. Moody's politics were? And he said, I don't know. I, I don't I have no idea. And I said, that's probably the way it'll, that's probably what's going to matter about ours right now. What mattered was that he shared the gospel with people. And, you know, the desire for other things. Sometimes the desire for other things is just applause, the need for attention or the need for likes or to go viral. Recognition. This is really, really, um, this is really dangerous. It gets a hold of us. It chokes out the word of God in our lives, a life of humility and service and generosity so that we become unfruitful. And you know, Jesus was saying something really clear. Jesus was teaching us what matters most and he was saying, don't let these things get a hold of your heart. They will get a hold of your heart. Your fear of losing them will begin to bring out the traitor to the cross that we can all quickly become. Practice the open hand. Practice the how can I help. Practice, practice, practice to hone your inner gaze on Jesus. Like Colossians 3, one says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. How? Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. The, the deceitfulness of riches, the worries of the world, the desire for other things. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. So, guard your heart against these things. Guard your heart against greed. How do you do it? Well, one of the ways that you learn to... A preventative medication for greed is giving. You can give on Sunday or you can give online or you can, we have those little URL, those little codes you can look at. Some people don't carry cash. You can go to our, our website and begin to give and give regularly. I don't say that because it's, you know, I'm looking to benefit in some way myself. Let me tell you something. If you don't learn to give, if I don't mention this and tell you that this practice needs to be done in your life, I, I, I fail at my responsibility. I can't leave you, as my friend said, under the bondage of covetousness, of idolatry. You've got to learn to give. And if, we, if you don't feel like we are trustworthy enough to give it to, give it somewhere else. Give, give, give. This Sunday we'll be talking more about how to love others in a money-loving world. And we really do live in that kind of culture. And so it's not the money itself. It's the love that gets a hold of our hearts. I pray that you'll come and I pray you'll bring people. And I, I'm just looking forward to seeing you then. So I'll look forward to seeing you on Sunday. And I'll see you um, as we um, get ready for that day. You come to my breakfast class at 9.30. We'll be talking on how to share the gospel as a community. I'm looking forward to seeing you. God bless you.